Today on Stick to Football, you get Melvin Gordon holding out, or he says, trade me. Mike Vrabel willing to trade something for a Super Bowl ring. Texans don't have a GM. A ton of stuff we're going to go over, guys. All this, though, will follow, will, excuse me, be before our AFC South preview. No draft on draft today, guys, because we have a lot of news to actually get to. Thank the football gods, Mello and Connor. We have news that's not the home run derby. We've been, like, skipping out on around the league. Like, we've been looking for the news. We've been combing the newspapers. But there's nothing until today. Finally, we have something to talk about that's football-related. Yeah, we were chopping at the bit for something like this. And this is a big one at a weird time of year. I feel like it it feels a little late to me right now for something like this to come down. It kind of leaves teams scrambling. Maybe that's the way agents like it, but... Uh, I know Chargers fans or the Chargers probably aren't super excited, but we definitely are to break this down. Yeah, we are excited. Melvin Gordon comes out on Thursday, which is an odd day to come out and be like, guys, I want a new deal or trade me. He's saying he won't report to training camp. And you hear that a lot. Like, I want a new deal or I'm not coming to training camp. But he was like, no, no, no. I mean, he gave the ring ultimatum. Ring me or I'm out of here, buddy. And uh, they have really not said. Tom Telesco, you, as you guys know, when Connor and I did the front office breakdown, he's one of the best. So I will be yep. interested to see if, if Telesco stands his ground and says, you're a running back, dude. We'll find another or if they recognize, I think Melvin Gordon's one of the best running backs in football, but is he, I don't think he's Saquon Barkley. I don't think he's Le'Veon Bell. He's not Ezekiel Elliott. He's in the next tier. Would you pay someone like that, Melo? It's tough to say because he is 26 years old, and the only hang-up here is the fact that he's a running back. You can find those guys all the time. And if you need a running back, you can go draft one, and they can probably do a pretty damn good job in your system. And you have Phillip Rivers there. They Obviously, I think they want him for this year. I wouldn't sign him to a long-term deal. I mean, if I could get him for three years, I would jump on that if I was the Chargers. I'm sure that he is going to be you know, more of a four-year kind of guy, maybe even try to get five because he is only 26 years old. But I would do it for for a short amount of time, but I would not tie myself to any running back in this league for a long amount of time. Yeah, this is a really difficult decision for the Chargers. You look at the window they're in right now. Phillip Rivers, during this season, is going to turn 38 years old. Now, he's still playing at an extremely high level where they feel like they can get to a Super Bowl this year. The problem is, without one of their best offensive players, you have to have concerns about that. So, there is pressure on them to find a way to make Melvin Gordon happy here. Now, I know a lot of people feel the running back position almost doesn't matter unless you're a special player. That's the Christian McCaffrey. Caffrey's, the Saquon Barkley's of the world, like you said, Matt, earlier on. That's just not Melvin Gordon right now. He's a very good player. And I think when it comes down to it here, as Melo just alluded to, you want to stay in that three-year window because you look at Melvin Gordon. He's right for doing this right now. He played out that rookie slotted deal. Now you're on the fifth-year option for being as high a pick as he was. You're 26 years old. You don't want to find yourself in a Le'Veon Bell situation, although this could come to that, where, hey, you're 27. You had to sit out a year. You missed that kind of money. You want to find a resolution for this. Now, normally I would say there isn't the pressure on the team because it is a running back but for a team as good as the Chargers are right now I do think the pressure is on yeah and I here's what's interesting to me guys as you know I would basically trade anyone it's really my life philosophy he has been hurt a lot he has only played 16 games once that was 2017 even last year we saw uh, he had a knee sprain uh, an MCL grade two sprain he's had hamstring problems which often lead to or coexist with knee problems he had a knee tear in 2015 a sprain in 2016 and a hip sprain in 2016 
I worry about paying a guy a who's getting older and has never been a bell cow. He's not, and I know last year he had a good year and he he contributed in the passing game. He had fifty catches, I think. But the injuries would be reason for me to not pay Melvin Gordon. So my final answer would be I'm not paying him as good as he is. And it is weird because he has he's only rushed for a thousand yards one time, and up until last season he had never even broke the four yards per carry mark. Last year he went off; he averaged five point one yards a carry, and I don't want to get into like numbers that they don't mean everything, but still there was not a lot of production here. But on the same side, I I can't blame him for not wanting to do the Le'Veon Bell path, the get franchise three years in a row, and then have to maybe go free agency after you're done with that. So I, I get where he's coming from. I just don't know. If I'm the Chargers, I would try to work out a short-term deal with him. I'm with you. I think it'd be a Band-Aid deal. You're not looking at a type of deal where you want to make him the highest-paid running back in the league and kind of have guaranteed money throughout you know, that four-year mark. I don't think that one's going to happen here. Yeah, I don't either. And the Chargers have a GM, so they can do these things. The Houston Texans don't. And they actually came out and said they're not going to hire one. Now, I thought this would lead the show today, but then the Melvin Gordon news came out. I don't know why this is a big deal, but when the news came out midweek, people were like, holy shit, they're not going to hire a GM. We had heard this over a month ago and talked about it on the show, but I wanted to readdress it since there was new news. But we expect guys like, um, you know, James Lipford to be to have a big role. I think Bill O'Brien's going to have a big role. So this Texans front office, they are going to share the load of these jobs. The director of college scouting is going to run that. The director of pro scouting is going to run that. And here's my prediction. Uh, Nick Casario will be the GM of the Houston Texans in February of 2020 when his clause with the Patriots is up and he can leave without penalty. This is not rocket science. I know we're talking about Houston, not rocket science. It's classic. There's nothing else going on in the NFL, so let's overreact to what is going on. Somebody probably brought this up recently and was like, oh my God, the Texans aren't going to hire a GM, even though that's news that everybody knew for a very long time, everybody had to overreact to it because there is nothing else going on. Just like we mentioned earlier, we've been looking for news and around the league. And I think this is the same thing. People are looking for news and they're like, holy shit, the Texans aren't signing a GM. Everybody let's write about it. Let's tweet it out. This is our news for the week. I will say it's not great. I will say that right now. I would have them rather ride out one more year with Brian Gain there and then move into you know the offseason and go after Nick Casero. Now, I know there was a lot of problems and hiccups when they already did that, but it's going to make for an interesting season there. There's not going to be somewhere to point the blame. I wonder if when they do hire Casario, who out of this crew is going to survive and and you know still stay with that new front office. So a lot of question marks around the Texans, and we're going to talk about that football team a lot today. Getting away from all the front office drama, I actually think they have a lot of talent on the field. Yeah, I, I do as well, and we will get into it. But we'll see what they do. I mean, they do have Jadavion Clowney that uh, is going to play under the franchise tag. So everything there is just kind of paused. We'll see. Jack Easterby feels like the kind of guy who's going to take a, a lot of control there and might be auditioning for a job uh, if the Nick Casario thing doesn't happen. So uh, a good friend of the show, Taylor Lewan, one of our favorite players in the NFL, he's been on here before. He has a podcast called Bussin' with the Boys, and it looks hilarious. His head coach, Mike Vrabel, was on there. And Vrabel, who is hilarious, outspoken, former player, so, you know, he gets into the player speak a little bit. He has said that he would sacrifice his penis to win a Super Bowl. So the quote was, (laughs) I've been married for 20 years. I don't use it anyway. So so he said he would trade it for a Super Bowl ring. And he has some as a player. I want to point that out. He has won some already. But... 
So this is what you all have to look forward to when you've been married for 20 years, obviously. Uh, but also, I wanted to know, what body part would you guys trade to be a Super Bowl winning head coach? I would give up some fingers. Same. Like, maybe one. Half an ear. Yeah, not a lot. Oh, yeah, I'd probably give Listen, up Listen, I, I used to work for the guy I would love to work for a team an ear. and win a Super Bowl, but I don't want to yeah. give up things I use. <laughs> Wait, he's not <laughs> using body parts. Things. That's what he said, so... <laughs> Um, Dude, I love oh, Vrabel. Jesus if you Christ. don't use it, you lose it. Right type deal. You do, yeah. I guess so. Um, the the Super Bowl thirst is pretty real for Mike Vrabel. Uh, that quote was so good. I really have nothing to go further with that about, but it was just I had to mention it. I, I guess it just goes to show how much these guys really want that Super Bowl, how competitive they are, and what they're willing to sacrifice to get. It. He's fell. He's fairly young though. Like there's, I wouldn't yeah. be willing to give that up, dude. Heck no. He's not that much older than me. Okay. Yeah, right. He's hilarious. <laughs> so Absolutely we, hilarious. Sorry, Gunner. So we talked about this earlier in the week. Josh Jacobs signed. We can all breathe a sigh of relief. You could put him back in your fantasy draft board. You could talk about him as an offensive rookie of the year candidate. So we could cross that off. We're not worried about it anymore. But if I'm the Washington Redskins, guys, I'm worried about Josh Norman not only running with the Bulls, which I know our, our PETA listeners are not going to be happy about, but him jumping a bull is one of the coolest and dumbest things I've seen an NFL player do. I know. Like, you talk about some of the stuff that these guys get in trouble for, like playing basketball games. That is not as big of a deal as running with the Bulls. These are huge, powerful animals. And he jumped over this thing, I believe, twice. I, I think there's two separate videos of him jumping this thing. And on one of them, that bull lifts its head. Like, he almost caught one right to the midsection. He almost gave up his dick for a Super Bowl <laughs> without a deal in place. Like, I am sure that everybody in that Redskins, like if you get a Redskins email, it's going to have a memo this week of like, don't do stupid shit. This is what is in your contract. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't risk it before the season kind of thing. It's It's incredibly ignorant of him to even go do this. Like I get it. It's probably a bucket list thing for a lot of people. But you have, I think he has like one year left on his deal. If something goes wrong there and you get injured, you are going to be screwed for the rest of your life probably yeah, for Josh Norman. I guess at 31 years old and over $53 million in career <laughs> earnings just from football, not any sponsors or endorsements, he's kind of like, fuck it, I'm going to do what I want at this point. And Josh Norman's always had that kind of personality, but good Lord, um, pretty crazy move. Bull Pretty move. easy way to completely end your career. Would either of you do that? Would oh, you run with the no. Bulls? No way. No? Jump no. over it? No, run with them. Uh, uh, for content, maybe. Maybe. No, I don't trust those things. I don't even like cows. I, I don't know if I'll you've ever you been what, around though. one, but those things are massive and they're unpredictable. Yeah, especially when it's nut cutting time. <laughs> right. There you go. I, I'm so happy I you learned that phrase. It's my uh, fa- it's my favorite Midwestern saying. The ever. few things I've contributed to your life, Connor. That that saying yeah, is barbecue. One of them. All right, fellas, let's take a break. <laughs> we come back. Time. We're going to preview the Colts and Jags, looking at breakout players and record predictions. We'll be right back. All right, guys, it's time to jump into the AFC South preview. One of the best, and I know I think I said that about the AFC North as well. The AFC South is really, really good. You have the Jags, who just a few years ago were in the AFC Championship game. The Colts are amazing with Frank Reich. You have the Titans, who are you know really solid now. And and if they could 
get some improvement on offense could be really good. And the Texans, like we said before, a very talented roster. But let's start with the Colts, the defending champs of the AFC South. My breakout player, I'm actually going to go with Marlon Mack. And last year, over the last probably... 10 games this season. Marlon Mack was one of the NFL's most productive running backs. He is a hidden gem. And I think one of the only concerns is, will he get the touches and targets that he needs in order to be a 1,200-yard back? Because that's the pace that he was on last year when he was healthy. So if he stays healthy, I I know they have Naheem Hines, they have Jordan Wilkins. I think Marlon Mack is the guy for them. And I believe that he has the talent to be a breakout player. Um, Last year, a good year. In his second year, he had 908 yards rushing, uh, but also contributed a lot as a receiver. 17 catches. So I think we see him blow up this year. And I'm going to go with uh, the defensive side of the ball. guy that we just had on our podcast not too long ago, Quincy Wilson. And I think that he has always had the physical tools and what it takes to be in the NFL. And I think he's finally matched that maturity level and what he needs. He has even come out and said, like, I needed to grow up. I wasn't ready for this. And I really think that he has. I think anytime you can admit that to yourself and publicly – I think you've made a turn, and I think we're going to see it out of him this year. I think he's going to start all 16 games this year. The guy's six foot two, two ten. Matt, I know you loved him coming out of college. I, I, a lot of people did. In that Colts secondary, I think he's going to get the chance to shine. They have some pretty damn good safeties. Uh, obviously, their linebacker play is good. Uh, that defense is going to be very impressive this year. And I think we're going to see Quincy Wilson take the steps that we're expecting in year three from him. I love both of those picks, and I'm going with someone in the secondary as well here, Melo, and that is Malik Hooker. I know expectations have been extremely high since he was a first-round pick two years ago. Unfortunately, was banged up during his rookie season after a good start. I mean, three interceptions in seven games, six full games there. And then, obviously, last year he played most of the season This guy's raw ability in coverage to take away the football is extremely special. I think year three, and let's not forget, he hasn't been playing football for the longest. He has more of a basketball background, but he was a superstar for Ohio State. He can do rare things sideline to sideline in coverage. So I look at Malik Hooker here and think he could be the difference maker on that defense, especially with the pass rush they've added up front. You talk about Justin Houston being there now to force the quarterback to get the ball out a little earlier. That's going to force some bad decisions that's going to be great for Malik Hooker and I look at this football team they've added a lot of young additions since Chris Ballard and Ed Dodds have gotten there I have them at 13 and 3 I know they won 10 games last year I think these young guys start to develop I think Andrew Luck will be going full throttle this year they added a lot of pieces in the draft they added some pieces in free agency I know I have them at 4 and 2 in the division so they're going to drop some division games there's a lot of tough teams in this division but 13 and 3 the Colts will be one of the best best teams in the AFC this year. And I'm agreeing with you, maybe not as strongly, but I think they're going to go 11-5. and I'm looking at their schedule. I think they have some pretty easy wins here. Uh, They are going to start off against the Chargers. I think that's a tough game, but then you have at the Titans. uh, They got the Raiders on the schedule, the Broncos, the Dolphins. There are some just must-win games there that they'll get. They have the Buccaneers late. I think that they are going to be a very improved team. Uh, We saw them in the playoffs last year look great. I think another year with a healthy Andrew Luck is going to be nothing but better. They've surrounded him with tools. They maybe have one of the best offensive lines in all football. So I I do think they're going to have some success. But this is a very tough division, and you're probably going to take some losses. So I'm going 11-5 and with the Colts. Yeah, I really like this squad as well. And the schedule is not easy. I know you guys have alluded to that. Uh, Even within the own division, they also play the AFC West 
which is a good division. So it's going to be hard, but it was hard last year, and it was the first time head coach, Andrew Luck, coming back from almost having his arm ripped off. And I do think that we're going to see that unit only get better offensively with the addition of Paris Campbell, with the addition of Devin Funches, with the maturation of Marlon Mack, with Braden Smith and Quentin Nelson in year two as pass protectors, with Frank Reich in year two being a head coach, and now Andrew Luck is even more comfortable and confident with his arm coming back from injury. If you guys remember what he looked like in week one last year versus what he looked like at the end of the year it's completely different so I think we're going to see a red hot Andrew Luck and I actually think he's an MVP candidate not like a anyone could win the MVP I believe he's up there with Mahomes Rodgers and Breeze as one of the best candidates of of any this year especially if they break out like you guys are expecting I have them at 12 and 4 so I'm expecting big things and I do think that they'll win the South burying the lead there a little bit or getting ahead of myself so I think they're 12-4. and I think they win this division. This is a a really, really good team from top to bottom if they can stay healthy. The Jacksonville Jaguars, we're kind of going from top to the perceived bottom of this division a little bit here. They add Nick Foles. That's the huge addition here. Um, They've really tried to rework this team since, you know, spending all the money in free agency, having a ton of early picks. It's an unremarkable wide receiver core. There's not a a guy who you're like, oh, shit, we have to stop him. But D.D. Westbrook, Marquise Lee, and Keelan Cole are solid. They've really invested in the offensive line. Uh, through the draft, they've tried to get better on defense. They added Josh Allen, Quincy Williams. So they have uh, some impact-type players. But guys, when I look at a breakout player, I think it's at the safety position. Strong safety Ronnie Harrison started half the year last year. He's going to be put into a big, big role this year. But when you have Jalen Ramsey on one side and A.J. Boy on the other, with Yannick Ngakwe and Clayus Campbell and Josh Allen getting after the quarterback – you should be able to make some things happen. I do think he's going to be asked to spy a lot. He's going to be asked to match up with guys like Eric Ebron in that division. But I really like Ronnie Harrison. I thought that they got a steal when they got him in the third round. Yeah, I really liked him coming out too. And I am actually going to go with one of those receivers that you talked about. Uh, it pains me to do it, but D.D. Westbrook is a very good receiver. Uh, he looked a little bit undersized, and I think a lot of people question that until they really saw what he could do last year. Once he got healthy... The dude pulled in 66 catches and five touchdowns, and that was with Blake Bortles throwing him the ball. Now he has a real quarterback, and I think Leonard Fournette's going to have another good year. I think he'll be back to normal. I think this offense is going to look unlike anything we've seen before with these Jaguars. I think Nick Foles is going to do a very good job, and I think D.D. Westbrook will establish himself as the number one receiver in Jacksonville. I'm sticking with the wide receiver group as well. guy I've liked over the last two years, Keelan Cole, I think with the right quarterback and the right opportunities, he can really be that kind of ideal number two or three target you want. Short area, he's got quickness, he's got some speed. So you look at that rookie season after he was undrafted, he had about 750 yards and only 42 catches, almost 18 yards per catch. So there's some big playability there with Keelan Cole. I'm excited to see you know how Nick Foles does with this team, but I'm still a little skeptical, guys. And I think a lot of it is I don't think the Jaguars got worse. It's nothing like that. I, I just think the schedule is extremely, extremely difficult. When I picked every game, I only had them coming up with four wins going four and 12. I could see them winning six or seven games, but I only had them winning four games when you do it game by game because of how tough the schedule was, how many question marks I still have. Will Leonard Fournette finally be the guy? That's what I want to know here, where they can rely on him and help Nick Foles out. Will this defense be as good as we believe it finally can be? Will this locker room most importantly stick together? So 
Unfortunately, I'm not a believer in Jacksonville. I do believe they've been dealt a tough hand because this division is really, really good now all of a sudden, and the teams they have to play outside of it doesn't get much easier. So a tough one for Jacksonville here. I have them at four wins. Connor, those Jaguar fans are going to be in your mentions like the Jets fans oh, were. Oh, yeah, and they and will be Just vicious. Just wait for it, buddy. You're getting it. I, I'm... I guess the biggest Jags believer on this podcast. I have them going nine and seven. I really think that Nick Foles is going to turn around this offense and the defense is, I mean, no doubt about it. They're going to excel there. You mentioned the two corners that they have great pass rush there too. I think Nick Foles is a legit quarterback. I think he can do enough for this Jaguars team to get them over the hump and be competitive in a very strong division. And I'm going to say nine and seven for the Jags. Yeah, this is a tough team. Nine and seven though. Wow. I'm a believer. I had to step up back in a second. I was about to go into my spiel, and I was oh, wait. Damn, you guys are very, very different on this team. I'm somewhere in the middle, and my reason is I actually do believe in Nick Foles to an extent. I don't think we're going to see him be like he was with the Eagles because the team around him is not as good as the, the Eagles team, and the coaching staff is not as good. But he is being reunited with John D. Philippe, who was the Eagles quarterback's coach uh, for 2016 and 2017, so there's some chemistry there. It's not like he's learning a completely new system. I think Foles will also be looking to prove himself a little bit after you know everyone forgot about him after the Chip Kelly era. You know, He's talked about how he almost quit playing football. It just wasn't fun for him anymore, but now he's had a, a great career resurrection. I think he will be able to produce enough, but I, something Connor said earlier, I completely agree with. Leonard Fournette has to have his mind and body right for this team to be successful. I picked them to go seven and nine, guys, uh, so I, I am right in the middle. I could see this season going either way, but I do think there is enough talent here for them to be a competitive football team, and I, I would be upset if we didn't mention this is a good coaching staff I really do think that this is a good organization a good coaching staff they just have to get some of these players healthy and buying in let's take a break we come back we're gonna look at the Titans and Texans before we get to our division awards all right fellas let's finish off the AFC South we've done the Colts we've done the Jags it's time for the Titans a team we just talked about the head coach Harold Landry is going to be my breakout player for them, and I, I just go ahead and I'm going to throw it out there because I think the defense is going to have to carry this team, guys. I really do. And they have some players. Darrell Casey's a stud. Um, we love what they have in the secondary with you know Kenny Vaccaro and Kevin Byard, Malcolm Butler, Dory Jackson. It's a really good crew. They also added Imani Hooker. This, could, this defense could be scary. You have to remember, though, they're not going to have first-round pick Jeffrey Simmons for at least, I would think, the first 10 to 12 weeks. But someone like Harold Landry is going to have to step up in year two. A player that I loved, I had a top 20 grade on him. Uh, then it comes, you find out there's some injury concerns. There's maybe a, a hip concern that made him fall to round two in 2018. But I do think this defense, the table is set for someone like Harold Landry now that Brian Arakpo is gone. Now you're going to have to have someone like Landry step up in year two and be a guy that rushes on 80% of snaps and can have close to double-digit, if not more, production. He's He will have to be the go-to pass rusher on this defense because everyone else is gone now. And I know they have Cameron Wake, who is going to contribute, but I think he's more situational. Yeah, and I'm going to stay on that defensive side of the ball because you're 100% right. This is a good defense, and they're going to have to be because there's not a lot on that other side of the ball. I'm going to go with a veteran here, though. I'm going with our guy, Kenny Vaccaro. I think that he stayed in Nashville for a reason, and that's because he is the perfect fit for this defense. He gets to play a true, strong safety now with Kevin Byard 
you know, by by his side at free safety, he's going to be able to roam and do a lot of damage on offense. I think Vrabel saw this guy as a tool, as a weapon that he can use in this defense, wanted to lock him up, even though they had to get rid of some other guys to keep him. I think that he's going to have another big year. He's going to be very comfortable in this defense and maybe even looking at a Pro Bowl season. I'm sticking on the defensive side of the ball as well, and I'm going with their first-round pick from the 2018 draft. That's Rashawn Evans. He got a late start kind of to his rookie season. He was banged up over the summer. But this guy has a ton of talent, guys, to be a three-down linebacker and make an impact, especially working under Mike Vrabel in this defense. I like what Rashawn Evans can do. I really like their draft. I believe they have a lot of rookies that can at least be situational defensive players while they wait for Jeffrey Simmons to get back. I think you guys nailed it. I think Harold Landry is going to be the pass rusher we expected him to be. Kenny Vaccaro seems like he found a home. They have a lot of interchangeable pieces on the back end of this defense. That leaves the pressure off in the middle for a guy like Rashawn Evans to thrive. Now, when you talk about the overall record of this team, I still have some questions about the offense, and I only have them at 5-11 and because I look at this offense and I just say, can Marcus Mariota finally have that consistent season where he's not really along for the ride, but he's winning them games? And how ready is A.J. Brown to come in and, and be one of the guys, the targets of the uh, out of the wide receiver group? How will the run game be? between all of these running backs again. So I know the offensive line is a pretty good group. They have tight end talent. But when I look at it, I just don't know how much overall firepower is in this offensive group in such a a tough division. They all have a tough schedule. And it really comes back to me for until I see it consistently, and health is a big part of it from the quarterback, I can't see them running with the big dogs at the top of this division yet. And I'm with you, Connor. I'm going 5-11 and 11 as well for all of the same reasons. I'm still not sold on Derrick Henry. I know that he's been productive. He rushed for 1,000 yards last year. I just think that that body's going to take a beating, and before you know it, he's going to be like an Eddie George type guy who's getting all these carries, but he's averaging like 3.9 a carry. He's not really getting the job done, even though he's going to take 20 carries a game. And Mariota has not done it for me at all. I liked him coming out of Oregon. I thought he was going to be a safe pick uh, compared to Jameis Winston. And neither one of those guys has really panned out. They even brought in Ryan Tannehill, and they might not be saying it. I think there is a little bit of a quarterback competition there. They're at least looking at both of these guys to see who can do it. Not a lot of weapons. Corey Davis, that might have been a miss. A.J. Brown is going to have to come in. He's going to have to excel immediately for these guys to win games. And I just don't know if you can put that kind of pressure on them. This offense is really going to struggle. The rest of the division They've got some good defenses. They face some good defenses outside of the division. So I'm going five and eleven as well. Well, well, well. I have them going nine and seven, boys. So all a team right, that I'm right. much higher on than you guys. But I, I actually agree with what you're saying, you know, Mello. Like we need to see it from Mariota, and I do think that he'll be. It's not that he's not been motivated. I think he'll be playing his best football because this is a contract year for him. And if he's not, they do have someone in Ryan Tannehill who can at least steady the ship. I think the defense is good enough. I think the coaching is good enough and the offensive line is good enough that we might see another thousand yard season from Derrick Henry. I was not a believer of his at all coming out, but it seems like this scheme works well enough for him. What will the loss of Matt LaFleur mean for this team? That is a big question mark. Now that he's the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, they bring in Arthur Smith, but the key here is they have Dean Pease, they have Mike Vrabel, and that defense is going to be absolutely nasty and opportunistic. So I'm a little higher on them. I I think they will be 
in at least the playoff push as we get into December. Let's finish this out with the Houston Texans. Weirdly enough, one of my favorite rosters in the NFL. I love Deshaun Watson. Everything, though, guys, rest on the offensive line here. They, they invested big picks in the offensive line. We will all be waiting to see what they can do, if they can protect Deshaun Watson, if they can open up this offense. We know the defense is going to be good. They're going to be nasty. When you have J.J. Watt, Jadavian Clowney, you're going to be pretty good. And the secondary is good as well. My breakout player, though, is going to come on offense. This is a hard roster to pick a breakout player from because uh, they are kind of like the Browns when we talked about them. They are kind of established at a lot of key places. There's not one guy that could break out, and I'm not going to pick Titus Howard to be my breakout player. So I went with Dante Foreman, a running back from Texas, who has been hurt a lot. Last year, missed almost the entire season, but there have been flashes from him that have been very good, and I do think that he's the better running back than Lamar Miller. The numbers will not back this up for me. They absolutely won't, but what we saw from him in those flashes as a rookie were good enough, and in the type of offense that it seems like they want to run and that would help Deshaun Watson, I think Foreman would be a really good fit. And I would love to see it happen, too, because the homer pick in me wants to see Foreman do get that starting job and be the productive running back that he was at Texas. Uh, I'm going to stay with offense. I'm going to go with the quarterback, not Deshaun Watson. I'm going to go with A.J. McCarron here for my breakout player for the Texans this year. No, I'm just fucking with you guys. There's no way that's happening. I'm going defense, Zach Cunningham. I just wanted to see if I could get you guys to be like, we have to get Mello off the show. I was going to stop down the show. <laughs> Zach Cunningham at middle linebacker. I really like this guy coming out of Vanderbilt. He had 100 tackles last year, and this is another very, very good defense. Uh, if they have Clowney playing, if Watt is healthy, you have McKinney playing next to him. They're great in the secondary I think that he's going to be freed up to make a lot of tackles and kind of get his name out there. Loved him coming out of Vandy. He's a big linebacker, but he's still very mobile. He can even drop into coverage a little bit, too. So I really like Zach Cunningham, and I think that he can make a name for himself on this loaded defense. For me, it's the youngster, Justin Reed. Phenomenal rookie season. I think we start to hear his name called a lot more, and he'll be their breakout player. You talk about somebody that was playing at starting as a 21-year-old in the league last year, and he did it all. 88 tackles, 10 passes broken up, three interceptions. He was very good in coverage. He's a very good tackler. I think he's ready to be the leader on the back end of this defense. You look at a unit that no more honey badger there. Reed is really, all the spotlight and focus is going to be on him. They they don't have a lot of ballers at corner right now. They really don't have anybody at corner. I know they're expecting you know, a lot from the young guys, but the pressure is going to be on Reed to make plays. And he came in, did a great job last year, and I expect that to continue. I really, really like this team, considering all the flaws they have on that offensive line, and think they go 10-6. and six. I think this is a really good team because they have two absolute superstars, and they connect with each other, and Deshaun Watson and obviously Hopkins. You look at the connection between these two, it's special. It might be, by the end of the year, officially the best in football. They're both young players, especially Watson. You look at what he's done there, so... I'm excited about the Texans. They still have a lot of talent up front. I know there's question marks around Jadavion Clowney and that franchise tag and the, his future in Houston. But uh, once again, this is a team that can consistently win games because they have people that can get after the quarterback. And on the other side of the ball, they have a quarterback that can consistently put up points. 
And I'm with you. I'm same record again here. I think this is a very good football team. I'm going ten and six, and you're one hundred percent right. It all comes down to that offensive line. And I think the front office, when they had one, even knew it. They had to address that offensive line, so they got two guys in there. I don't know that they're ready to jump in and take a starting job immediately, but maybe by the end of the season we can see these guys work in and, and form a solid offensive line. You have DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson might be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's just been running for his life down there in Houston. So I want to see what he can do, and hopefully they can get him some protection. Uh, thankfully, that defense, like we've said a million times here, it's very good. So I think the Texans are going to have another very good season as well. And maybe not the best record. I know it's not better than what they had last year, but I think this is a better team coming into 2019. Yeah, it all goes back to the offensive line, guys. I mean, it truly does. Deshaun Watson was sacked more times last year than any quarterback in football. 62 times he got hit. So they have to clear that up, which is why we saw an investment into their, I mean, Titus Howard, Max Sharping, their first two picks in the draft are going to have to come in and make big contributions there. I like this team a lot. And I do think to what Connor said, when you have a superstar quarterback, We've seen it in college from him. Think about the games against Alabama. We've seen it in the NFL now, his rookie year coming in, only playing six games before he had a knee injury. He was on pace to just take over the league that year, was having a season much like Patrick Mahomes had last year and then unfortunately got hurt. So I think Watson is one of the league's superstars. He's never had a losing season as a starting quarterback. I don't think that's going to start anytime soon. But it's going to be close this year for me. I have them at 9-7. and seven. I think this division is just getting too good. And it's getting so good on defense that when I look at that offensive line and I think, okay, they have to stop the Titans, they have to stop the Jags, and they have to stop the Colts, who, by the way, added Justin Houston. So that is where I get hung up with the Texans. I love Deshaun Watson. I don't want to doubt him. I think Nuke is arguably the best receiver in football. He's one, two, or three, depending on how you want to list the guys. But the offensive line is a big hang-up for me. And like we talked about at the top of the show, what will happen when this team has to add players midseason with the lack of a GM? How will that affect them? So it's going to be an interesting year in the AFC South. Let's take one more break. When we come back, division hardware handed out by the guys that stick to football. It's hardware time, boys, and the AFC South is a good one. It's hard to pick uh, these players. Let's start it off with MVP. I went with Andrew Luck because I do believe, as I said earlier, he's going to be back even better this year, year two after all the shoulder injuries. The offense around him will be better. I am so excited to see Paris Campbell in that offense, to see Marlon Mack for 16 games, hopefully. I think Andrew Luck, because the Colts win this division, I think he has to be considered the division MVP, and he'll put up the numbers to do it. We've seen that year in and year out, but this could be a a big year for Andrew Luck, just being healthy, having now the confidence in his head coach and the offensive system. They're innovative. They're athletic. This is going to be a fun team to watch. And I do agree with everything you just said with Andrew Luck and the Colts, but I am going to take Deshaun Watson, the quarterback that we just talked about. I think this guy is so good, and coming into year three, I really think we're going to see his game and what he's really capable of. Even in year two, I think you're still learning a system. You're getting comfortable in the NFL. By year three, you're there now. You know the routine. You know how to prepare for the games. You know how to do the offseason work. We're going to see what Deshaun Watson is made of this year. This is my quarterback one ahead of guys like Trubisky and Mahomes. 
I, I don't know that he's going to be better than Pat Mahomes, and I hope he's not, but I think he's going to be very good. He's going to be up there in that conversation as well. Yeah, I'm with you all the way here, Mello. For me, it's Deshaun Watson. I think a lot of times the MVP comes down to a numbers game. Andrew Luck is going to have a big-time season. I think Watson's going to be forced to challenge uh, him a lot just for how many times he's going to throw. He had five games last year where he went over 300 passing yards, and we're talking about 375, 375, that 390 kind of area. He chips in another 40 to 50 on the ground it seems like week after week I mean this is someone that really is asked so much of for a player that was playing at 22 23 years old last year and constantly answers the call so I look at Watson and being the most valuable component to his team I think it's going to be pretty tough by the end of the year to argue against that for him Defensive player of the year. And guys, I have a hot take here. My pick is J.J. Watt, which is not a hot take. Here's my hot take. Had we not lost J.J. Watt for those, what, two seasons that he was basically gone, 2016 and 2017, we would have someone who would be in a good run to challenge for the NFL's all-time sack record. Not, obviously, he wouldn't be going for it next year, but his career would be pointing in that direction. The record's 200. He has 92 and lost two years when he was getting almost 20 sacks a year. So add 40 more, basically, to, to where he's at. I think Watt takes it again. He was so damn good last year. Led the league with seven forced fumbles. He had 16 sacks. He was back last year. He was back completely, and I think the Texans' defense, they're going to be in a lot of games where they're going to be shootouts because of the offense, because, like Connor said, that secondary is not great. I think Watt is going to have to pin his ears back even more this year and go get the quarterback, and he is still one of the best at that. I mean, you took my guy, and you took everything that I was about to say about him, too. If he didn't miss those two years, we would be talking about him in the same breath as Khalil Mack and Von Miller. Like He was doing it before those guys. You look at his sack totals. Last year, he had 16. Then he missed two years before that, but 17 and a half, 20 and a half, 10 and a half, 20 and a half. It's outrageous that he's had two 20-sack seasons, and then last year pulls in another 16. If this guy is healthy, and I hope he is, he's one of the best defensive players. Not just defensive linemen, not edge rushers, whatever you want to call him. He's one of the best defensive players in the league. I hope to God he's healthy, and if he is, I think he's the defensive player of the year in this division. Man, it's absolutely crazy. I mean, how many people in the world, or especially athletes, come back from two back operations? The answer is pretty much no one. And J.J. Watt has come back to do it with not only double-digit sacks, but like you said, 16. It is phenomenal. I think if Aaron Donald wasn't in the league, we'd hear more about J.J. Watt recently. But it's crazy. I'm going to take a different approach here. I think we're going to see a Justin Houston rejuvenated this year. Now, I know the last time he had double-digit sacks was all the way back Back in 2014, that's a long time ago. We haven't seen a full season out of him since. You'd look at seven and a half, four, nine and a half, and nine sacks in abbreviated seasons over the last four years. I think Houston's going to come into Indy. I don't think they're going to. That coaching staff is going to run him into the ground. He's 30 years old right now, guys. He's not turning 31 until the off season, so he's 30 years old. I think we're going to see him really come in with a new energy, with pieces around him. And like I said, we talked about it earlier in the show they have players in the secondary there that are going to give him time to get upfield and that's really important for Justin Houston right now I think he can come in get back to 13 14 sack kind of form with a lot of forced fumbles I'm excited to watch him in Indy this year 
Yeah, I, I actually am too. Um, I had someone ask me on radio this week. They're like, why are you not a Chiefs fan? And I was like, well, people won't let me change teams. That's the real <laughs> answer. But and, and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm actually going to miss Justin Houston. He was such a good leader and such a, a good example in Kansas City, but also incredibly productive. Being in a situational role is going to be really good for him, especially if he can stay healthy. Let's talk about rookie of the year. This is a tough one because, you know, it's like you have some offensive linemen drafted by Houston. In Tennessee, we're not going to see Jeffrey Simmons. So when you look at the early picks – this is not an obvious one, or at least there wasn't to me. So I went with the Titans' second-round pick, A.J. Brown. He was my number one receiver in this class, so maybe this is a bit of a homer pick. But I also think that he's going to have to play and play early. He's experienced in the slot. He can play on the outside. And like Melo said, you know, Corey Davis, There's there hasn't been a lot of consistent production there. They did bring in Adam Humphreys. I like Tajay Sharp, but I think A.J. Brown, they, they made a point. When you draft someone in the middle of round two, you're saying, we expect this player to be a starter for us in their rookie season. I think he will be. I think you pencil him in. And depending on who's playing quarterback, well, neither of them actually have a strong arm. So someone who's good at the intermediate breaking route game, like A.J. Brown is, I think could get a ton of targets there. And I felt like this one was easy for me because all you have to do here, Matt, and I'll teach you this trick, see who Chris Ballard drafts and then just take one of those guys because they're probably going to be an all-pro. And luckily for me, it's one of my favorite receivers in Paris Campbell. I love what he can do. This dude can fly. I think he's going to play a similar role to what he was doing at Ohio State. I don't think he's just going to be a deep threat for him. I think he's going to take a lot of attention off of a guy like T.Y. Hilton, and they're both going to benefit from that. But I also think he's going to get involved in some jet sweeps, some screens. I think this is a very good receiver, and I think Andrew Luck is going to find him early and often and we're going to be talking about him by week five I think that he is just a very important part of this offense mark it down week five Paris Campbell will be very good Well, Mello, we're officially colluding against Matt on this episode because I do know that trick, and that's why I'm taking Bobby Okariki here. I I look at, yes, he was a third-round pick, and you often don't sit there and go, well, the best rookie in the division will be a third-round pick. But listen, Darius Leonard, there's going to be a lot of eyes on him this year. People aren't going to be sleeping on him anymore. They're going to be throwing those double teams. They're going to get blockers to the second level to get hands on him. I think there's a lot of snaps to be taken in training camp here for Okariki to play either the mic spot, maybe on the weak side. It's going to be very interesting to see how they use him. But I could tell you, he's pro-ready. He's ready to get on that defense. That staff is going to be excited about finding him a role. And we might see him excel very quickly because a lot of the attention is not going to be on him. He's going to be the guy putting up the high tackle numbers if he gets a starting job, which he's going to have to earn. But if you're looking for kind of a dark horse in this division out of the rookie class, I think Okariki can make a lot of noise real quickly. So I should have picked Rocky Sin. That's what you guys I, are saying. I'm he very should've. surprised you didn't. I think the cornerback position makes hard. it difficult. It's really hard. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he would have to come out and have like four interceptions. And playing corner immediately, is that's very difficult. He's my favorite rookie in this division, though. I mean, he really is. I love him. I, I, love I think that's a there. great landing spot. Yeah. Until Jeffrey Simmons plays, then he would have been. All right, most improved player. And I'm going to go back to what I said about a breakout player, um, which might be cheating. I don't know if you guys are going to actually allow that. I'm going to take Harold Landry. I think we see him really step up this year. He's going to, and he's going to have to. Like I said before, we last year, three starts, four and a half sacks. There's talent there. He can dip. He can bend. He is a little bit undersized, but I think in this defense where they are going to run a lot of base 3-4, he's going to be able to make plays outside the tackle where he's able to use some of that speed to get into the backfield. And, and really, this is not a great division for offensive line play. So when he plays Deshaun Watson, that's probably seven sacks right there. 
Yeah, I did like (laughs) that Titans defense. I know I was hard on them with the 5-11 prediction, uh, but that's all because of the offense. I do think Harold Landry can have a very good season. I'm going to go with most improved player, and it's because this guy has to improve. Leonard Fournette has to find a way to stay on the football field. He was the fourth overall pick. He's 24 years old, and he has not produced yet. I know that his rookie year, he came in and he looked pretty good, and he told everybody how this wasn't much different from playing in the SEC. Well, you better prove it this he year told because us they've that. already canceled out <laughs> all your guaranteed money. I think the Jaguars are probably ready to move on from this dude if he doesn't come out and be the running back that he's supposed to be. So it is nut-cutting time for Leonard Fournette. You are either going to produce Ooh. this year and you're going to be the running back, or they're going to look maybe later round picks. I'm not saying they go fourth overall again, but they're going to start looking for another guy to bring in and pair with him and he doesn't have those guarantees anymore. They could just let him walk. They could hold him out or you know, keep him on the roster for five years. But if he wants to be that number one running back, he's going to have to do it next year. I'll tell you what, with the rate we see running backs flame out of this league, uh, Leonard Fournette be, better be ready to go. Because like you said, Melo, if it doesn't happen in Jacksonville this year, they're probably out. You probably get one more shot with another team after that, and that's it. For as amazing as a prospect he was, it's time to focus, and it's time to not be just the guy in the backfield. It's time to be the guy. So I'm fascinated to see how this season goes for him. I'm sticking with Jacksonville here for the most improved player in the division. I'm going with Taven Bryan. Not a great rookie season or not a very impactful one when you look by the numbers, but I think there's a lot of promise there. We knew coming out of school, and we got to talk to him on the show Really, really good interview. I think when we saw him, he was a raw player on that defensive line. A lot of work left to be done, but an explosive player that can do a lot of great things on the field for you where more opportunity should be there for him to play. So I think Taven Bryan can you know, come in to camp this year. Be expe- Last year, the expectations weren't there to be on the field right away. And it's hard to get your mind right when those expectations aren't there. So I think year two, we'll see some pretty significant jumps in his play. I forgot he was on the show. Yeah, it's like we were talking about the other day, Matt. Like, sometimes you just forget guys that we've talked about. There have been times where I've been sitting here and Connor will mention like, oh, yeah, when we had him on the show. And I'm like, we did? When was that? It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. It, like when you go back and look at the guest list of the people we've had, because some of them we had before they blew up. Like Christian McCaffrey might be the best running back in football right now. Yeah. And we had Enfernet. We had them in the same Alvin week. Kamara. <laughs> oh, right. Kamara. We, we are the running back podcast. We really are. But we've done 258 we, podcasts, guys. So I'm not going to remember all the guests. I'm oh sorry. Oh, my no. God. That's no ridiculous. It's not going to happen. My concussions plus the guest list equals I'm not going to remember it. So, all right. That is actually our show for today. We'll be back sun. We'll be back Monday morning. Well, I should be back Sunday night recording. The show will be back Monday morning after I sleep, thank God. Uh, we'll be previewing the AFC West. It's just going to be 45 minutes of us talking about the Chiefs. So, if you're into that kind of thing, or if you want to hear why maybe the Broncos, Chargers, and Raiders have a chance, you should listen to that as well. We'll talk to you all Monday morning.